0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Chess Interview Series with celebrated and veteran pianist Daryl Graham. We caught up with him about his new 2023 CD, Our Mr. Jackson, and covered his sense of purpose, agency, and connection to community. Through eight albums as a band leader, numerous recordings as a sideman, a growing body of compositions, and two decades of service as an educator and leader in the arts, his multifaceted creative projects and innovative initiatives reflect a belief in the extraordinary power of art to communicate, inspire, provoke, inform, and form. And move others to transform society and themselves he was introduced to the international audience in 1988 as the pianist with the legendary vocalist betty carter and things have just gotten better and deeper over the years we cover all of this and more enjoy we finally get together what's going on how are you doing today i'm doing good i'm doing good how about you good everything's good great to meet you thanks for taking a minute out and i love your story and before we get into our mixed mr jackson which I believe I've already played on the show. I love the album. I'm I'm old school, Sweet. so I got a CD player in the car. So I my ah. son and I, we we blaze around Kansas City listening to jazz. Sweet. That's but good. um I want to begin our conversation before we delve into the album by talking about living through a pandemic as an artist, the last three and a half years. How did you get through it and how did it subsequently change you?
1: Wow, what a fantastic question. Um Well, so my Day job is a university professor. Yeah. So the primary shift for me in my life was that I did not go to my university uh, building for the first year. We did not have in-person classes. So I had to transition to do- doing everything that you do through the human contact and <laughs> room, you know, in-person um, <laughs> making of music to trying to channel all that out through a computer. Uh, So that that was a huge challenge. Um, I think, you know, obviously, in terms of professional things, there were no live performances. Um, I did a fair amount of streaming performances after that became a thing. You know, we could meet one on one. So later on in the pandemic, um, you know, put together performances with, you know, no audience or or streaming things um, for festivals, my own presentations so that was interesting um and you know obviously not as satisfying as performing for people alive, but was still you know good um and then the other thing but the other thing i think the upside of the of that of what happened was that um we were able to use the virtual channels to connect um you know, artist to artist in ways that we wouldn't necessarily have. So um, among other things, our university started a Zoom weekly, like gathering with students, which we used to do in person. And because everyone was home, you know, Christian McBride showed up, Cindy Blackman showed up, um, you know, um, Patrice Rushman showed up. I mean, it was just, it was so, so I feel like for the students that were, for us as a community, we were able to make connections we never would have been able to make if those people had had to fly to us and I think for me as an artist it was really the pandemic will always be tied into the the sort of moment of rational reckoning and and around George Floyd and activism and so for me that that period of time was very much about how can I use whatever musical tools I have to um, to affect change um, positive change in that way so um, so then it just became you know, connecting with musicians in whatever way
0: I could to make that happen. So this album is a dedication. Talk to me a little bit about that.
1: I started the MJ New Group. um, We started that in, I think, 2013. Um, because uh, we, we were asked by uh, Don Lukoff, who at the time was the executive director, artistic director of the Portland Jazz Festival, to do a, a tribute concert for the Mont Jazz Quartet. And I, I thought that was really interesting. And as usual, when when somebody asked me to do that, you know, I'm a I'm an academic, so I'm like, I'm not just going to, you know, call, cover some tunes. I'm going to go back and dig into the catalog and, you know, learn stuff and try. And, and it was fascinating. Um, and the group of players that I put together for that is Marcus Shelby from San Francisco myself and vibraphonist Mike horsefall from Portland and a drummer also from Portland named um, Carlton Jackson we just hit it off we had a blast and I was just like you know we should not this should not be one off let's let's keep doing this let's so we you know we book gigs and and year after year stayed together started doing you know events here co- concerts here festivals you know chamber series and you know expanding the repertoire and it just became a you know like a regular group and so we had gone into the studio uh in 2018 i think to like make this recording um we had done some touring and then went into the studio and uh and then so we started that got the recording down you know working through things and um and then at the beginning of the pandemic um our drummer carlton jackson um unexpectedly passed away um and and we were sort of faced with this question like do we keep the bands do we do we just abandon this project do we but we decided that we wanted to keep the music going and um and so we said okay i'm going finish this record i'm put it out and i'm gonna dedicate it to to carlton uh carlton jackson who is our mr jackson um and also you know to the spirit of milt jackson who i feel like is so prevalent in the in the sound and and you know the, the context of the music um, that inspired us from the modern jazz quartet. So so that so it's dedicated you know the album is dedicated to Carlton's
0: memory and uh, and also to the spirit of Milt Jackson. So what are you hoping the listener gets from this album?
1: As with all music, I hope that this this album provides listeners an opportunity to feel you know. I'm hoping that the music affects people emotionally. I hope that it's intriguing and interesting intellectually, but really to me, it's all about what kind of feeling can you create with the vibrations? Um, You know, we, we covered, um, MJQ music we do because I have uh, a classical background and I love chamber music we you know we cover and sort of not cover but <laughs> rearrange and reinvent um, some classical pieces and you know I, I've always been you know reharming jazz standards and do that so I feel like it's a really uh a, an eclectic but but really um cohesive uh blend of musical repertoire and hopefully makes this uh this compelling statement that brings, uh, that evokes some of the, you know, swing and sophistication of the modern jazz quartet, but also intrigues people with the with the variety of sounds and
0: and uh, you know touches their hearts. So, all of this began in 1988 with Betty Carter. But take me back a little bit to the beginnings of why music and more specifically jazz became a part of your orbit and eventually became your focus in life.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, I grew up in a musical family. My mother was a singer and uh, I grew up playing for her in church and nursing homes. We had a family, we had a family religious radio show (laughs) when I was a kid, like a 10 minute music radio show. And my dad would read scripture. My mom would sing, my brother and sister and I would play. And so, you know, and I had been studying classical music. So early on, uh people were recognizing that i had a musical talent and you know i was raised in the kind of environment where you know if if god gave you a gift it was your moral obligation to, to de- develop it to the nth degree and to use it for good so it was pretty obvious that i was going to be a musician from the earliest um and classical didn't really resonate with me for some obvious reasons but when i first heard jazz and started playing in jazz bands in fourth grade i'm like I could do this, you know, just from noodling on top of the piano, but then from hearing, you know, my first or silver record. And I remember hearing that it was finger popping And, um, and I, I got it 75 cents at the used record store, you know, 1950s vinyl, like a quarter inch thick, put that on. I played, uh, they were playing cooking for the continental. And, uh, and I ran upstairs, I remember I was in the basement, I ran upstairs to so my mom was like, you got to hear this, you got to hear this, this is unbelievable. And I couldn't explain to her what it was, it was swing was what it was. <laughs> I was just like, this is, this is it, this is the thing. So, uh, you know, from that point on, I was kind of felt like, okay, this is where, this is where I want to go. Um, and, you know, all of my, all of my heroes, you know, led me to wanting to, to find a way to be,
0: uh, to be in that world, to be in that music. And you've been in this world for decades. What is it that you love the most about it? You have all these capacities as a recording artist, live performer, educator. But at the end of the day, what gets you up in the morning? What drives you to be a part of this jazz community?
1: I I often often tell my students that, like, I mean, jazz is jazz is a music, a musical form. You know, you could call it a genre, but really, it's a culture. And I I am so privileged to be a part of the legacy of the african-american contribution to world culture i feel like you know what keeps me in it is the power in it to change the world and it's just you know it's it's no more worthy a vehicle than other cultural contributions but it's the one that i have the closest you know connection to and so i feel like my insistence on understanding it, but also being my full, diverse human self, um, and bringing that to this vehicle is really what I can what I can do, and the contribution I can make. So all of those things, whether I'm teaching it, I'm passing on the information that mentors pass on to me, guiding young people into it, writing it, you know, applying it to, <laughs> you know, to heal um people and audiences, you know, using it as a voice to affect change activism, all of that. I just I'm I feel like I'm fortunate to have a vehicle that's expansive enough and inclusive enough to be able to do that kind of work in the world. So that's and plus all the people. I mean, you know, if if you got to hang around with Esperanza Spaulding and Brian Blade, wouldn't you do whatever that, sure. whatever that thing was? <laughs> yeah so that's 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 another thing that that community is like oh my god i just pinch myself to be able to know these people and be, and be engaged with them
0: and one of the virtues one of the highest virtues of the jazz community is there's this torch that from the beginning has been passed on from the elders and legends they've made very clear that they want to pass this on to successive generations and you've been around from betty carter to christian mcbride to all the other cats that we've mentioned so far you've been around heavy hitters and you're an elder in this in this art form what do you ultimately want to teach and lend to the younger generations that you want them to really hold on to what is one of your top priorities as an educator
1: the way that i always try and you know approach it with my students is that um jazz is a practice jazz is my practice and so um i want i want two things I want them to understand the power of a practice um of what happens when you sort of it's not just the time that you spend at the instrument it's the time that you spend thinking about it and communing with others around it so I'm 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 trying to get them to see that it's not just like a technical facility issue it's not just a playing mm-hmm. issue it's a it's a practice in which you can learn and enrich your life it's a practice that can teach you courage it teaches you creativity it teaches you communication it teaches you about democratic principles i mean all of, all of those things i think and I, and i so i want them to understand that and i want them to come to a sense of their agency and i also want them to develop the courage to be themselves to say what they have to say um and you know that's one of the challenges um uh as you say you have a son so you understand one of the challenges of growing up in the world it's like how who are you I mean aside from what your parents say and what the world says you are who are you and I feel like jazz is a great um a great discipline and and uh, and practice in which to to develop that so so that's that's you know that and then I guess the thing overall that I want all young people to know is that you have agency you yeah you can you can move in the world with agency. So So Daryl, the history of of music, of jazz music happens to be fortunate to be full of those people, of the Max Roaches and the Sonny Rollins and the Wayne Shorters and the, you know, all those people.
0: Absolutely. So Daryl, at the end of the day, everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, fans, students, but you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are?
1: (laughs) Wow, man, this is awesome! I'm like, what a great wow. Okay, <laughs> this is this is entering therapy hour. Uh, well, no, it's this is the real stuff. This is really good. Uh, it's, yeah. it's really useful to think about. You know, I was just thinking about this the other day um, because uh, my son has some musical talent that I feel like. Exponentially supersedes mine, and you know we all know that life is not just about talent. Um, but uh, I, so I was trying to think about, well, what is my gift? I've never felt like I'm not I'm not the Oscar Peterson player. I'm not, you know. I mean, it's easier for us to think of all the things that we're not. Um, but I think that what I have that I can do well is I can connect with people on a human level and when I use music in that way like not in a self-serving way but in a way of like you know and not in a self-aggrandizing like okay look at me and my Grammy <laughs> uh, but when I sort of engage in music that way and I think I have the power to wield it in a way that connects people and so I guess. I think that's what people see in me uh, um I mean I've always gotten that you know even when I was a kid like I didn't know why people thought I was good I really didn't I didn't I didn't really see it but I think we listening to what people said over and over it's like you know we just love watching you play we just love listening to you play there's something that's communicated in the act of making music that people get and so I guess what I'm trying to do even now 60 61 is to trust that more and more and to sort of act on the basis of that more and more and to not be distracted by trying to compare myself with what this person did. Or, you know, I mean, for the longest time in my life, I just wanted to be Herbie, Herbie and Quincy. That was like, if I could do that, I would be happy. But now it's like, I I have to spend all of my time just trying to be Daryl and celebrate that and, you know, push forward on that, lean into that. So that's kind of what I'm, what I'm trying to, to understand and do more of now.
0: So the new album, as I mentioned, is wonderful. I urge everyone to go out and get it. Where's the best place to pick it up? What's going on as far as a new year, live shows, anything that's going on in your world performance-wise?
1: Yeah. Um, well, uh, the best place and easiest place to people, for people to pick it up is Bandcamp. Um, if they go to my website, thederallgrant.com Durrell, the Um then there's a link there, or they can just, you know, enter Daryl Grant into Bandcamp Camp, and that that record will come up. So people can hear it there uh, and purchase it there. Um, in terms of performance, um, you know, I'm just sort of I've I've been doing a lot of composing, so I have a I have a, a premiere uh, that's coming up in March for a, a new a new composition for a, an ensemble called Resonance Ensemble. Um, So that's happening and MJ New is going to be touring in the summer and we have performances at the Healdsburg Jazz Festival and at Yerba Buena Center for the Arts and the Sound Room in Oakland and um, hopefully put together a whole Western States tour uh, around that for June. So so that's the next playing that we'll be doing with the group.
0: Excellent. Daryl, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for your insight. Best of luck with the album and with 2024. I appreciate it, man. Fantastic! Thanks so much. Great to talk to you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in L.A., New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Daryl for his time, energy, and story. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Beyond jazz.